Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about post-operative stiffness in shoulders, we talk about prophylactic ankle taping, and we talk about the difference between neural and soft tissue flexibility. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the Ask Mike Reinald Show. We are here answering your awesome questions on rehab, fitness, sports performance, business, baseball, Gymnastics. other sports. Other sports, other sports. Anything, <laughs> anything, anything you guys want to talk about, please ask away. Go to MikeReynald.com, click on the podcast link. Be sure to um, subscribe to us and ask us some awesome questions. There's a form on there that you guys can submit your questions. We want to hear from you because we're getting a ton of great questions. Keep them coming. We love it. So uh, we're here at Champion PT Performance up in Boston. Uh, lighter crew for this one here, Lenny Macrina, Dave Tilly. We're here keeping it keeping it intimate, right? We want to have like an, <laughs> just, a, an acoustic unplugged session yeah. here. No student Spotify asking questions. Spotify sessions. <laughs> Big three. We promise. So what do you think? Soon? We'll have a student soon. We yes, promise. We'll have a student soon. But today, gymnastics student. Lenny's turn. What does that even mean? They, they're coming for gymnastics stuff, especially. Nobody comes for gymnastics. They're coming for physical therapy. The Olympics are over. We're done until 2020. <laughs> yeah, at least until Tokyo. <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> oh, wait, I dated it. All right, Lenny is going to be the question reader today, so shoot away, Len. I'm, I'll try to read it like Gabe. No, I won't read it like the Gabe banana. <laughs> no one can read <laughs> it like <laughs> Gabe. <laughs> All right, Wade from Springfield, Ohio. I work for a hospital-based outpatient clinic, and I see a lot of rotated carpet repairs three days post-op. The majority of my patients are extremely stiff wow, and painful with passive range of motion and have too much scapular elevation with shoulder flexion and abduction. <laughs> Is the joint-by-joint joint approach the reason they are stiff? And is it actually an increase in neural drive due to the reverse in the mobile, stable, mobile continuum? Boom. <laughs> okay. Uh, neural drive, I don't... I'll start this one. Yeah. I'll tell you, they're, so they're stiff in their shoulder and they're compensating with scapular elevation because they just had rotator cuff surgery three <laughs> right. days ago. Well, <laughs> <for it. laughs> um, no, no, I, I mean, in all honesty, I'd say a normal presentation of someone post-operative with rotator cuff, obviously they have a lot of pain, a lot of swelling, their cuff shuts down, it's not working well. So one of the big compensations when they try to move around or you have stiffness of the, the glenohumeral joint is your scapula moves more, right? So moving your arm in space is two things. It's glenohumeral and scapulothoracic joint, right? I know it's other stuff, but those are the two big ones. So if glenohumeral is limited, you're going to get more scapulothoracic. Let's not make this a bigger thing than it is. It's just that they just had rotator cuff surgery. So, you know, calm down the tissue, you know, the pain, the inflammation, turn the cuff back on and that'll start to get it better. But man, um, I don't know. The joint by joint approach has significant limitations. It is not something you should swear by. It is very two-dimensional every joint needs mobility and stability and all yeah. that fun stuff um, I, I would not say that has anything to do with it it's purely just the normal consequences joint by joint is like just a theoretical principle to go by for assessing people and watching them move and I think like surgery acute injury fall like completely like kind of to me like 
puts that on the back burner until you deal with the way your body responds to a massive injury. Like surgery is a massive thing. So it's like yeah. when you're talking neural drive and neural performance, it's like that thing's guarded. Just like your brain's yeah. like, oh my God, I had shoulder surgery. I mean, perhaps neural drive just that there's some inhibition yeah, from the injury, exactly. but it's certainly not neural. It's quite, regulation temporarily. It's quite biomechanical. Yeah. It's just, you know. I think another thing, because you mentioned that the majority of them are stiff and painful, that means, yeah, they're going to be painful after surgery, but the majority of them, I, I think you got to start with so many different variables. Is it one surgeon that uh, they're coming from? Is it um, multiple surgeons? Are they all stiff and painful? Is there a certain surgeon where they're stiff and painful? Stiff and painful? How about their pain control? What type their of pain tear? meds? Size yeah, of the cuff tear? Was it, was it mini open? Pain, right. Tissue, what, still so doing mini open? So I think there's so many variables besides... Uh, and even maybe even assessing your treatment plan for them. Are you being too aggressive with them? Uh, I don't know. So I think there's other things to think about. Yeah, if, if you, I've seen a ton of rotated cuff repairs. Certain surgeons rotated cuff repairs do so much better than others. So is it their true. surgical technique, their ability to you know get into the collateral tissue, damage. get in, get out? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Collateral damage. So not to blame the surgeons, but there is that variable you have to think about as well. And, so. and if you're observing like a, a shrug, a hike there with a scapula, I mean, just perhaps we're, we're we're doing too much right. too soon. I mean, right. you shouldn't work through a shrug sign. Mm. So you know, perhaps we're just increasing the pain and inflammation, yeah. and then subsequent inhibition because we're working trying to work through a little bit. Right. Awesome. Sweet. Okay. Next question is Sweet. Amy from Johnson City, Tennessee. Jo- hey guys, wait, wait, wait. I- Johnson City, Tennessee. Yep. Casey? Amy? No, Kate. Isn't yeah, that what Casey That was Casey was from, yeah. Our good friend Casey, Casey Carter. Yeah. Hey, what's Casey doing now? Not what we thought he was Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> former uh, physical therapist yeah. with the Tennessee Titans, our good friend. I'm pretty sure he's from Johnson City, I right? I don't so. know why I get that stuck in my head. Yeah. So. so, anyway, what's up, Casey? Hey, guys. I thought it would be <laughs> hey, y'all. But hey, guys, what's your take on the use of prophylactic ankle taping bracing in athletes? Do you make... You think it makes the ankles weaker? Does it cause other problems further up the chain? All right. So prophylactic, prophylactic. ankle bracing slash taping. So, right. so never st- had an injury. St- stabilizing. So Apparently I, not. I, well, no. See, I think that's well, the thing. Or, or you had an injury. So uh, uh, there's a bunch of different avenues we can go down with this one here. So uh, one, um, if you have chronic ankle instability, because you know once you, you sprain your ankle a bunch, you just keep spraining it because you, you you know you tear the ligament or you have too much laxity, it tends to it tends to be a problem. So prophylactically stabilizing that people, I recommend that to people all the time because I don't want you to to sprain it again. Um, is it going to make you weaker? I mean, no. I mean, I wouldn't train like that. I would just play the game like that because I don't want them to come out with an injury. I, I would not use it otherwise. I would I would train out of that to make sure you're not getting weak from that. I think that's like an old, I don't know, has that been scientifically proven? I was just going to say that. I feel I like that's... Knee braces too, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think that's like a middle Knee braces. I don't know. I would be interesting to, interested to do a little lit search and see. Somebody must have looked. Somebody in the strength and conditioning world, journal of strength and conditioning yeah. research, must have, I would hope, looked at this to, yeah. to see, uh, you know, seasonal changes or whatever. Right. In taping versus not taping. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen anything um, off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I, I would say I, th- I think there's a place. I'm not afraid of the risk, I guess. Um, and, and I, you know, I do. I mean, I, I actually taped like the rear leg and a lot of baseball pitchers in, in, in my past, like as part of their routine. Um, you know, part of me I actually always wondered if it somehow helped them, if it helped them with their rear leg drive by giving them a more stable ankle. Remember, baseball players are usually really lax. They, you know, they played hoops in, in high school, so they sprained their ankle a million times. Um, you know, that type of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely, I, I wouldn't be afraid to do it. Let me put it that way. Yeah. 
Nice. Okay. Final question is Nathan from Seattle. There seems to be a disagreement in the literature regarding the relative importance of actual muscle lengthening versus neuromodulation in flexibility gains. Agree. At Dave, gymnastics performance requires the acquisition incredible range of motion. What are your thoughts on this issue and the general process a gymnast would use to achieve this? All right, let's, let's, do, let's separate this. The first part, uh, muscle lengthening versus neuromodulation of, I don't know, tone or yeah. something, something like that. I, I, I think both exist. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that lack of flexibility doesn't exist. Right. And, and there's actually been studies that show just like static stretching and stuff have, have right. helped to increase your flexibility. Was that neuromodulation of tone, <laughs> lengthening fibers? I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I, I think there's two different people. I have a, me personally, I know I have a ton of tone. Dave was working on me yesterday. I have a ton of tone and I know neuromodulation, neuromodulation modulation of tone helps me but there's no doubt in my mind i have underlying flexibility issues under that too right i mean yeah. you stretch me True i mean my hamstrings are brutal you know so um i i don't know I, I think both are out there i think you have to try to define that in the person in front of you is this a flexibility or a neural thing yeah, yeah. so i've studied obviously studied a lot of this stuff because of the population i work in and you know people's you know, misconceptions, I think, about what the research suggests sometimes leads them down the wrong path. So um, if you look at, like, Chris Beardley's research, like, Dr. Bill Sands has a lot of really great reviews of this stuff, just looking about, like, what's happening theoretically. And I guess they're moving away from the concept that, like, an acute bout of stretching makes lasting changes in your sarcomere length, right? That's been a big kind of old-school method as people thought that. But a lot of the things are moving towards maybe we're getting, you know, some water content shifting, some blood flow changing, but more so, like, the perception of a stretch longer term is what may be getting your, you know, decreasing your nociceptive, you know, oh my God, this feels like my legs are going to rip off. Like you're getting more tolerance to the stretch is the best thing. So it's both though. Like you said, it's like, right. there are definitely like tissue changes, but there are definitely neuromodulatory things. So it's not like exclusive. And that's the biggest right. thing is like, again, you can't just say it's all one thing. Right. And then acquisition wise is a different, you know, kind of ball of wax because there's a lot of different ways that you can or cannot get in a position. Bone, tendon, you know, anatomical constraints, capsular versus soft tissue. And so the way that gymnastics approaches it, I'll tell you from treating a lot of them, is not 100% on the mark. You know, I mean, what we're doing is not always like they just get flexible. Like a lot of girls get instability over time because we're stretching the wrong things. Or <laughs> I mean, should, I, I hate to say it, but like I, I, gymnastics requires an excessive amount of mobility. It does. You have to have, probably have some underlying laxity to be able to Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. Or you're you're not gonna be a gymnast. They would have never gotten. Yeah, I'm sorry, right. they would have you never know? gotten picked to go to a team class if they yeah. didn't have underlying. Right. Yeah, I mean, if a baseball player doesn't get the right layback, I mean, it's, they're not a baseball player. I mean, it's just you know, certain people are certain things. I'm not a basketball player, for example, right? I just I wasn't gifted with that, right? So you know, I I picked up on that in sixth grade CYO basketball. I realized this wasn't for me, you know. But um, you know, well, you were good in backyard hoops, though. But my net was this high. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> we gotta go look at that. That's my backyard growing up with Len. Um, but I, I would say, with just me again personally, I think I have a ton of, of neural tone, but I'm not threatened by it in any way. Yeah. I really don't care about it, and I've been working on it, and it's not working. <laughs> so it, it's, yeah. it's not just neural drive for me. It's mm-hmm. definitely underlying mobility issues with me. There's, so there's connective tissue changes in people. Some people have more or yeah, less, and it just it shows up in muscle fibers. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Awesome. 
That's all I got. Oh, that's three. So, Gee, time, that's three. time flies when we're having a blast yeah, with you guys. Blast. It. <laughs> so awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Another great episode. Go to MikeRinald.com. Click on the podcast link. Ask us questions. Leave us reviews. Subscribe to the newsletter. Anything you guys want. We appreciate everything from you guys. And we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.